Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Janice Sanchez. She is the base program manager for Estes Park EDC in Estes, Colorado. Is that right? Yes. Excellent. I, we just, as we were talking before the show, I mentioned that I always thought it was Estes Park, but uh, I guess it's I guess that's not the case. Nope, nope. It is just Estes Park. But that's a common mispronunciation. What's it named for? Uh, you're asking old history, but some of the original families that were founded, the Stanleys and others, uh, named it Estes. And then when Rocky Mountain National Park was added, we became Estes Park as the gateway to Rocky Mountain National Park. Gotcha. And so for our listeners who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about Rocky Mountain National Park and Estes Park. Sure. So Estes Park is roughly an hour and 15 minutes drive from the Denver airport. We get a lot of folks who want to come up to Rocky Mountain National Park. It's one of the most popular parks in America, which has uh, actually created a need for us to do a timed entry to limit the number of people who have been in the park, which has been a challenge for the economic development of the town. The town itself is full of 6,000 residents. Our school district area, which includes some of our surrounding towns, is about 11,000 people. And we sit at 7,500 feet above sea level. So those folks who come and join us and have a beverage often find they're a really cheap day. That makes sense, right? <laughs> Lack of oxygen. I can get that. So is Estes Park the quintessential tourist town? Is it you know, full of yeah. t-shirt shops and, and all that? It has been for a very long time a quintessential tourist town. What we've found is that we had a season that would typically start in April and end in October of six months where we would cram in the majority of our visitors. For those who don't know, we get about 4.5 million people a year who come to Rocky Mountain National Park and actually enter the park on our side. Wow. Uh, in addition to that, we have all of the local and regional folks who come up and do day tripping and those sorts of things. So we look at an annual visitor count somewhere between 6.7 and 7 million people come to our little town every year. So what does an EDC do in a situation like that? Because it seems like you've already got all these people. You've got people driving through, stopping at your mm -hmm. stoplights, eating at your restaurants, gassing yep. up in your community. And they do that for, for a guaranteed six months a year. We are finding that our shoulder seasons have really expanded to where we're really looking at having guests and visitors in town between nine and 10 months out of the year. So our quiet months really are only December and January and maybe a little bit of February anymore. So we have had to shift over the last 10 years from being that quintessential tourist shop, taffy pulling, caramel corn, pick up a t-shirt, find a geode kind of town 
into something that has more of a year-round presence and more of an ability to attract a wider range of visitors who are interested in other things. The EDC plays a role in that, and specifically my program plays a role in that, in helping our businesses understand how do we manage our business to be acceptable and and good in the off-season and really excellent and excel in the season so that we can be a year-round economy and keep our residents and local visitors really happy with us at any time they come up. The EDC is focused less on what the visitor experiences and more on what our residents' experience is. What is it to live in Estes Park? What is it to work in Estes Park? And as with every mountain town you will find, uh, especially across Colorado, but I suspect in, in other areas as well, housing is tight. Job market is really tight. Our employers have a real difficult time getting folks hired. And we have the unique geography of being surrounded by granite mountains and national forest and national parkland. So there is no land for us to expand into. So we have to improve what we have right here, right now. And so we've developed the BASE program, which is our fun acronym for Business Accelerator Services of Estes, to help our local businesses figure out how to lead better, how to do operations better, and how to expand and grow exponentially because we're not going to be attracting new businesses into an area with no housing and no commercial real estate. That does seem like that's always the challenge. Expand the shoulder season in the tourist mm -hmm. town and then teach the business owners how to be more effective business owners. Yes. So is that roughly what BASE does? Walk us through. What does BASE yeah. do? What do you provide to the business owners? So our accelerator is a six-month program. We do it in the off-season. So we're just getting ready to start October 7th, our brand new cohort. And it goes until the first week of May when we do graduation. So we have six months that we work with our business owners in three very specific areas. We work on leadership, what it's like to lead a business, what it's like to lead a team, what it is like to be a leader in your community. And quite frankly, the most difficult portion of that, what is it like to actually lead yourself as a CEO? And that can be one of the more difficult pieces of owning a business because some days you just don't want it. The second piece is we focus on business operations. So how are your processes? What are your procedures? What is your marketing and branding doing for you? In a mountain town with 7 million visitors coming through, sometimes your marketing is merely throwing up the open sign. How are we helping them develop uh, a more robust presence beyond just the 15-minute interaction of someone coming in, wandering around, buying something, and walking back out? On top of that, what are we doing to help them understand their cost of goods sold? How are they managing supply chains? How are they handling tight labor markets? Those sorts of things. And then our third piece is around innovation and growth. We're really looking at how do we help you provide new revenue streams? Is e-commerce something you want to do? How are we helping you look at new potential ways to work with your employees? Do you want to become an ESOP? There are a number of opportunities there that we discuss. So the program itself requires 20 hours a month of our business owners. That's two full in-person class days with a really robust curriculum 
And then we do a book club once a month. Uh, it's probably the only book club in the country where you are actually not required to read the book. Because I know business owners, they're busy and they don't have time for that. So we spend the first 15 minutes going through a PowerPoint that talks through everything that's relevant in the book and the next 45 of how do I apply these concepts in my business immediately? Because as an accelerator, anything that they're taught and go through needs to be applicable within six to 12 months or it's not useful. Right. And if I'm asking them to give up this much time out of their business to get better at business, I need it to be really good and solid for them. So many questions, but I guess the first one, so how many people usually are in a cohort? How many businesses yeah. go through at a time? So we've been doing the base program now for, we are in our fourth cohort, but last year we actually acquired an EDA federal grant to fund the program, which is what brought in for me for my salary. So last year we had 16 companies go through the program and 14 of them graduated. Our cohort this year, starting uh, in October, will have 25 companies and 33 people. So we have 25 companies that represent 16 industries in, in our area. Wow, what kind of industries? So we have everything from lodging to hospitality to retail to professional services and local services. Like we have a landscaper that's going through. We have a catering company that's going through. We've got a couple of folks who are starting brand new online businesses. They've never had a business before, but they can start one on their computer and they want to do that. So we've got everything that come through. We have Roughly 360 or so locally owned and locally operated businesses in Estes Park. And we are looking to increase that amount and increase the ability of folks to be able to be hired by great businesses. Gotcha. And you mentioned that it was funded, it's currently funded by an EDA grant. Mm -hmm. So do you charge the businesses to participate or how we do you? can't. Actually, you can't. we can't that's what, because that's of what, the grant. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you ensure that they do it? Because normally you would want to charge somebody for something for this, like this so that they would feel like they had some skin in the game. Yeah. And, but now all, I guess all you're dependent upon is the quality of the education. That and their application process. So we just don't oh, take okay. anybody who walks through. You do have to apply to the program. You do have to have a plan on how you want your business to expand or what you want to get out of the program. And then I interview extensively with all of our business owners to determine if they're a good fit for the program and for the cohort that we have coming up. But I have um, I have sorry. only had two folks drop out of, of the program and both for business circumstances of the business got sold, the business uh, had an ownership issue. So they're they're dedicated because they know what an opportunity this is. And are willing to follow through on it. Well, we really don't have a problem with folks going through the program. Well, that's good. So who teaches this class? I mean, is it just you or do you bring in experts or how does that work? I, I teach a lot of it. Uh, so a lot of the basic fundamentals and concepts there. And then we do bring in guest speakers. That was part of why we got the grant so that we could bring in expertise from a, a variety of areas to make sure that we were really providing the best education that we could. And honestly, when I priced this out against other programs for executive education, when you look at someplace like Colorado University at Boulder or Denver University or some of those places, 
you're looking at a $20,000 program that folks are getting for free. So you're about an hour and a half from Denver. So I'd imagine that you bring in experts from outside of Estes Park because you only oh, got yes. 6,000 people, mm-hmm. right? So are you, so you're paying those experts to come in and sure talk? Am. Or mm-hmm. how pay, wow. That's that's what the grant allows us to do. So I have uh-huh. a budget and I bring in experts on purpose and meaning in business, on what is listening like as a leader. We bring in folks in the past who've talked about the great game of business open book management model. We brought in other folks to talk about uh, branding and marketing. We brought in some lawyers around contract law. So we bring in experts to supplement the things that I'm I'm walking them through. The other piece of that is that our business owners teach each other. So if you build the cohort right, you get very lucky in terms of them feeling comfortable enough sharing their business challenges, sharing their their problems and then getting and taking advice from other people in the market who have already faced those challenges or are dealing with the same thing and they work through it together. Our fundamental values for the program is first, we have to provide the knowledge and and that's what we do really, really well. But the second piece of that is application because knowledge is useless without being able to apply it to what you need it to. So we're really, really big into application. But our third major pillar is community. It's really important to us that our business owners continue to have this cohort to go and get advice from after they've left the program. So we're really big into making sure our alumni come back and mingle with our current program. Everybody who's been through the base program kind of knows what they've had to do. And so they become a resource for each other. And then you've developed a network of business owners helping each other inside your community. Wow. So what, is there an average age? Is there a specific kind of person that maybe goes through this? What are I wish I mean, are it these... would really make my job a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. As, as an instructor, you always kind of want to know what the knowledge base level is right. of your class. So you can take things from the 30,000 foot level and bring it down to like the 100 foot. I've got 16 different industries. I have business owners who range from folks who have had incredibly successful careers, retired to Estes Park and bought a business. So they're, they don't know what they're doing, but they've been running a retail store for five years now, and this is their second career. Or I've got young people in their early 20s who are starting out trying to figure out I want to stay living in Estes Park. How do I start my own business to be able to support myself? So I have everything from businesses that haven't even started to businesses who've been owned by someone for 23 years and they want to get better at what they're doing so they can expand their footprint. It's a complicated cohort to manage. They do most of that work for me in terms of helping each other and understanding I've been where you are and our older population in our business owners are very open to understanding. I don't know how to do TikTok. Tell me like, what is the new things I need to be understanding as a business owner to be able to keep up? It's a very open learning environment. And I'm very lucky that here in Estes Park, people are open to helping each other and learning new things. Wow. How did you get into this? Like, How does somebody end up doing this kind of thing? Yeah. So 
this is a very short, convoluted version, but my undergraduate degree is in theater management and production, and my master's degree <laughs> okay. is in organizational management and corporate culture. And what I can tell you is that if you look at theater, any theater production is one of the fastest, tightest deadlined, most under-resourced, with the fewest number of people you can possibly get away with, product development cycle in business. And so I am trained in how to run a product development cycle. And then I moved into working in nonprofits to understand really what fundraising is about and what marketing is about and how do you actually help people and how do you quantify your impact and really understand what levers there are that you actually have control over to pull to change the way things are. And then from that, I moved into working with digital marketing at newspapers. And uh, so I worked for Gannett in their in-house ad agency for a while and a couple of other things. But I, I found that the more I spent working with small business owners on a marketing side, the more I spent actually coaching them on how do you put processes and procedures in place that allow the marketing to be effective, or when the right. marketing is really effective, you allow the business to be able to actually thrive. And turned out I had a lot of ideas around all of that and started working with entrepreneurs. I formed a nonprofit called Launch NoCo and ran that for six years where we helped companies form, grow, and stay in Larimer and Weld County. And that moved into, do you really want to formalize this and build a straight up curriculum of what do business owners actually need to know? And that's kind of the the shorter version of how I got here. Wow. So this curriculum that you created, is it available? Can can other organizations use it? Or is this property of good question. And, so. Yeah, How does that work? <laughs> Um, we have been talking with a number of other counties. So we we got the EDA grant and our our grant administrator keeps sending other groups to us to help them get their own sure, right. grants for this kind of stuff. And we're happy to do that. I am still thinking about how we might monetize the curriculum because that is right. a, a thing that we want to look at. The program is only funded for three years with the EDA grant, and then it has to become self-sustaining and self-funded. And in order to continue that, I know our business owners in Estes Park would have to pay between five and $10,000 each. They don't have that to do, right. right? You're brand new business owners. So we need to find revenue streams that are outside of asking our participants to pay. And that may be where we license the curriculum to other organizations. Now, that being said, if you need a specific workshop or that, or there's a specific topic and, and you belong to an, ED, an EDC somewhere in the country, reach out and I'm happy to talk with you about sending you some slides and those sorts of things that that'd be helpful. Wow. That's fantastic. And I'm sure you will. I'm sure people will listen to this and they will be reaching out. I wanted to ask you, you said the, uh, when you were talking about the leadership component of the training, you mentioned that leadership of yourself, of the CEO, is one of the more challenging ones. Could you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Sure. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is it's really lonely at the top because CEOs have all the pressure and not always a good valve to outlet it. You don't necessarily want to let your employees know that cash flow is really weird in February and March because of seasonal right. issues and all of that sort of stuff. 
you don't really want to let your employees know that you're trying to figure out how to maybe think about paying them more money, but that means maybe you won't be able to do healthcare. So it's lonely up there. Um, and, and the other piece is there's nobody actually really able to point out your own blind spots to you. So your employees are not going to tell you, hey, boss, you really suck at this. Maybe you should let somebody else do it. You have to be, as a leader, self-aware enough to know where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses, where do you really need to get some extra help, and how do you listen and take advice from your employees in a really good way. So we walk everybody through three major assessments as the very first thing we do in the program, we make them take a DISC assessment around behaviors in the workplace. We make them take the echo listening assessment, which talks about how your brain actually functions, how it makes connections, and therefore what you listen for in information. And then the third one is the uh, Thomas Kilman instrument, which is the TKI conflict style. So what is your primary conflict style? And how do you use it? And how do you engage with people who have different conflict styles than you do? And what does that mean inside of your business? Wow, I need to take one of these courses. There's all, you said all these things that I don't completely understand, but I, you know, they resonate. And so that, wow, that's The goal of all of it is really to help business owners understand what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What can I optimize? And how do I behave under stress? Because business owners are fairly usually under stress so that they understand how they are projecting out both to their employees and their community. This is just fascinating. So do you have any metrics on how this has affected the business community? Yeah, we we do track our metrics and we're getting ready to release our annual report in uh, just a couple of weeks that'll have all of them in it. But from the data we've already collected and started collating, I can give you a couple of quick anecdotes. We know that we have seen the businesses who have gone through the program expand in jobs. They've created 40 plus jobs and that number isn't finalized yet, but at least that many. And in a small mountain town, that's a big deal for us. That's a big deal. We know that revenues have increased exponentially for some folks. We have one of our base program participants from last year who credits us with a 30% jump in their revenue. Wow. We know that we have had new businesses created. We know that we have helped businesses obtain capital. We know that we have walked them through and helped them figure out how to pivot their business so that they can have a lifestyle that isn't going to drive them into the ground. Those are the tangible things. And yes, we I'm, I'm happy to share those metrics when we have them finalized in two weeks, but we know we're having an impact on jobs retained and jobs created and capital investment, all of those normal economic drivers. But the other side of it is we are literally creating a better place in Estes Park for people to live and work. Right. Wow, this is fascinating. And I think it's pretty exciting because I I think this shows the potential of this kind of model working in other places. Because you would think, this is my, having lived in a tourist community myself, my bias is that maybe those kinds of entrepreneurs, many of those kinds of entrepreneurs, especially those who moved there because they retired and bought something, maybe don't necessarily want to really jump through all these hoops because they're kind of retired and they're Mm -hmm. kind of running their retail store. So 
this is fascinating to hear that you're having such success with that. I think what has been our biggest driver is people have gone through the program already. I can't tell you how many of our current cohort was recommended by our past cohort. And they got out there and really expanded our reach in a lot of ways. And so that was great. But also for us, we're a small mountain community that is technically considered rural. There's not a college up here. There's not You know, we have a local SBDC, but they're down in Fort Collins, at least 45 minutes away. And there's this, you know, there's this sense of like, we don't come down off the mountain. People have to come to the mountain. (laughs) So when you start an education program right in people's backyards, they're hungry for it. And I would tell all the, the economic developers out there in rural communities or isolated communities that it's not as hard to start an accelerator as you think. And it has got incredibly exponentially huge opportunities for you. So, and then let me ask this. Sometimes a community doesn't really understand what an EDC does, just in general. There's an EDC, maybe they're like the Chamber of Commerce, maybe they're, are they part of the government? Like how did, you know, they just don't really understand. Does this give you something that you can go to the community, that the EDC can go to the community and say, here, this is what we do? Yes, it is huge. In fact, um, we've had a, a little bit of an issue of people not understanding that the bear program was part of the EDC or not the bear program, the base program. We do have a bear program as well, but uh, the base program is part of the EDC because it didn't connect for them. So we redid some logo branding, connected them a little bit more. And people are like, oh, this is actually a program of the EDC. That's a big deal for us. It also helps significantly when you're limited by geography and real estate and those sorts of things. And the traditional thing that most communities believe EDCs do is attract new businesses. We don't have any place to put new businesses. We don't really have a workforce that will support bringing in a company that wants to hire a hundred folks. So Mm -hmm. our job is really about retention and expansion. And we are working really hard to create that possibility for all of our businesses. Wow. This is fascinating. I hadn't even put this all together that this was when we talk about accelerators, that this could work as a, an accelerator model and just how all these pieces, mm-hmm. I think this is, this sounds like a home run. I can see why the EDA put up some money for this because wow, it, this is a model that should be, should be replicated elsewhere. When I look across the country at various other business expen- expansion and retention models out there. It's a lot about having conversations and just keeping the businesses happy in your community. Right. Which right. is great and and absolutely wonderful. But it's not the only thing you can do with a bear program. You really can dive in and really help businesses expand by providing them education and opportunities. And that creates a significant footprint within your community of businesses that are going to stay, that are going to expand, and are going to continue to increase your tax base. Well, Janet, this has been fascinating. If our if our listeners, they want to reach out to you, they want to you know pick your brain, they want to get a copy of a slide, they want to hear what books are on your list, whatever, How what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, they are certainly welcome to email me. So it's jsanchez at estespark.edc. 
Good. We and will include I am that happy in the... to, to have those conversations with folks. Fantastic. Well, this has been awesome. Please continue to let us know as as things happen, as there's new developments with this. Send it. Please send me a copy of the your annual report when that comes out. I'd love to include that with this. But this is phenomenal. Best of luck to you. This is awesome. Thank you. I, I am so excited to be on the program with you because we'd really love to get this model out to other communities. It's worked so well here, and I'm absolutely certain it'll work well other places. And we'd love to help other folks do that. Wow. I, uh, you know, I, I see some, I don't know, a book, some consulting work, something in your future, because this is, I think this is something that's needed just because like you said, uh, BRNE programs are so much, so often they're just go out and keep the businesses happy and find out what they need and maybe connect them with some people. But this is a concrete physical thing that you can say, here's this option, let's do this thing. And then it builds the cohesiveness, it builds community, it builds the businesses, it increases jobs, it increases investment and revenue, all these things. This is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm I'm really thrilled about the results we're seeing and I'd love to see other communities have them as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dana, I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.